You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So Sid Talk, what? we're going to sing this podcast this week. This podcast is coming to you live. <laughs> we is a very strong word. That is not singing. Sing, 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 sing. This isn't really singing either. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna happen um yeah so uh before the after the show discussion was you didn't do your 10 seconds of silence we didn't <laughs> so do I you will... care no <laughs> we're not doing it all right then okay how are you gonna get rid of all the noise so i can get rid of it no problem let's just be quiet for 10 we seconds we can do quiet at the end of the show all right. Maybe some people would like it if we were quiet right now. Yes. Yeah. Um, you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I record 10 seconds of silence and then I can use my program and I can make it sound better. So we we'll do... take away any weirdness that's in that silence and then it really erases it. From... So remember, at the end of the show. I don't look at me. You're the one who forgot to it. Record some quiet. All right. So what was the before the after the show discussion? Technical talk aside and singing aside. Um, Was there one? I'm playing Cities Skylines. And I'm playing Adventure Capitalist. You're asking me about money. The the heights of the money, like past billionaire and trillionaire. It and gets crazy. Google in the air. <laughs> so it wasn't a very meaningful conversation today. I'm playing a new game on Steam. It's called Adventure Capitalist. It's free, actually. It's just a free download on Steam. And it's just one of those... Weird. It's lemonade stand, but with le- extra layers. Yeah, it's a business thing. You know, you run different businesses. And it's make lemonade profit. stand, but with more stuff. Just deal with I've it. I've never played lemonade stand. It so. is what it is. You get to pick certain things. Like, it tells you what the weather's going to be. So then you decide. No, it's actually less complicated than that. Right. Well, it tells you what the weather... Well, it's a lemonade stand. So if it's going to be cloudy, then you decide. And it's a busy day or whatever. Then you have to decide, well, I need to order this much sugar, this many lemons... This, get this much whatever and then you click the button and you just let it go and by the end of that day whatever its algorithm is it tells you how much you've made and then you decide whoop I had too much sugar on that day whatever and then you and that's it over and over and over yeah <clears throat> and the aim is You're gambling to make with your a, money. G- a gajillion dollars whatever yeah. the big number is so um yeah that's a venture capitalist and you're still playing city skylines I'm watching my what I see I'm fascinated with this water aspect that they've built in so you raise the terrain up as high i raise it up as high as i can because if you put water up there like a water source then it comes down you can make waterfalls you can make rivers that has a dam in the game right so i love the dynamic of having to build an actual thing so it doesn't flood your area i don't know it sounds nobody else cares but (laughs) they've done it really well it makes me like just really want to see i built that yeah i often see that you're not even messing with cities at all (laughs) you're just sculpting the land exactly because you can make your own maps basically exactly so moving on it is saturday april the 4th this is after the show number 370 or is it or is it it is maybe it's april 1st and we're just fooling everybody. Oh, yeah. I, I will give you the acecully.com promise that we will never play an April Fool's joke ever on anybody. I hate April Fool's Day. April you want me Fool- to tell you how to know if Ace Scully's playing a fir- an April 1st joke on you? April Fool's joke on you? He's not. Yes. <laughs> True. So, yeah. It's uh, April Fool's Day has been and gone. Thank 
goodness <laughs> so it is april the 4th this is after the show 370 the movie we're looking at this week is into the woods it's a 2014 movie released by disney you can pick it up actually now it came out on tuesday uh it's a pg uh and sid talk give us a synopsis of into the woods hmm that's tricky it's an amalgamation of a few fairy tales in which some key characters. It's not really focused on any one individual. In my mind, it's not anyway. Um, want their individual wishes slash desires met, i.e. the baker needs a baby. Cinderella wants to go to the ball. The boy and his mother want food. Uh, Red Riding cow. Hood wants to... Jack and his mother. Wants to feed her grandma. Yeah, well, she doesn't really want anything, does she? She just wants to go to her grandma's. Yeah. She's the, she's she the least desires of anybody. <laughs> yeah. So, um... In the mix, we have a witch that sort of wants something of her own. There's also Rapunzel, who's a poor little innocent bystander. In I the whole said thing. to you, I said to you, it's it's like fairy tales greatest hits. Yes, like- did you notice? Okay, she says, "I took the baby. It was your sister." Are you spoiling here at all? No, maybe. No. Just watch it. Um, spoilers then. Okay, so she's, <laughs> I'm not saying who she's talking to. I took the baby. It's your sister. Yeah. We get through the whole movie, and there's no, like, oh, you're my sister. And true. <laughs> At all. There's no acknowledgement. There's no, like, if you want a Disney moment, there's one for you. That's a little cheerier than somebody falling off a cliff. So. <laughs> oh, the, the, that's the story. Yeah. So, so Into the Woods is also, if you don't know yet, a musical. Um, it's Stephen Sondheim's musical from the stage from the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's actually run all the way through. It's still running now in Broadway. So it's a very popular musical um and we've talked about musicals before on this podcast our you know love hate relationship with musicals i never love them i don't think except I, wizard of Oz. i'm definitely not musical theater person i would not choose to go and watch a musical theater if i had the choice to go you know something's on in the theater i'm not really a theater. that's why it's good for us because i was not looking forward to it at this all. is the way to be this is as a movie goer you get exposed to musicals every yeah. now and again very there's not many of them. Mm-mm. They're really kind of few and far between. So if you know you don't like that style, and yet you want to watch it, you're the best person, really, because if you can learn to drop your biases against a thing, which I can, and just let it... You can't undo what it is, right? And you just watch it. I think you get a more objective opinion. Because yeah. if you love musicals, how are you choosy? Because there's so few. <laughs> you don't want to exclude any of them from your... Yeah, I mean... If you love musicals, you probably go to the theatre and see them, right? And that's that's where you see them, because if you're waiting for the movies Not to everybody make, has that access, so movies They don't, are but I mean, they choice. probably do in some way. Like, they can go to a local drama group or something, or even the school play, like yeah. we've seen. Because if you really, yeah, if you really love it. Yeah. But if you're waiting around for musicals in the movies, you, you're going to get one a year if you're lucky, right? It's, it doesn't happen very often. So Into the Woods is based on this Stephen Sondheim. He's like, you know, he's one of the greats in the musical theatre world. Um, and I've never really been into musicals, especially the type of musicals where everybody sings their lines. You know, like Les, Miser- Les Miserables, or, you know, where it's... A Vita. Yeah, where everybody sings all the time. Now, at first I thought this movie was going to do that, but it actually doesn't. And, mm-hmm. and actually during the second act... This movie actually plays like a real musical. There's a, it's all, it almost should have an intermission card. Where where it kind of splits into the movie, 
But actually, during the second half, I found there was a lot less singing and way more talking because there's more plot to kind of give over to you. But I can say this this movie, you know, as a non-musical fan, I actually really enjoyed it. Like it... Like, it's not the best thing ever, and I'd rather watch a movie where they're not singing. <laughs> but, I, because, you know, I, I don't know this, if this is me being ignorant of musical theatre, but I find when there's a musical wrote by a person, in this case, Stephen Sondheim, I found I find, and he has to deliver dialogue via music, and I find it all sounds the same. Like, I can't determine one song from another. They, they kind of just... It sounds like people going... That's how it sounds. And when we're going to the woods, yeah. and when we're going to the woods, and when we're going to the woods, yeah. and when I come and bring you bread, and when I come and do this. So it just sounds... <laughs> it sounds very samey to me all the time, and it's hard to distinguish which is the favourite song, and, you know, because it all sounds like just people singing lines... But I have to say about this movie, the first, uh, and they said in the extras, 16 minutes, it's the setup for the movie. And it's all done musically. And I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, as you said, as soon as it was over, you said that was amazing. Yeah, it's like, it, it was, it's the perfect setup. The plot is communicated to you. All the players are introduced. They're all singing the same song, actually. They're all singing verses of of the same song, so it all does sound the same, which it's supposed to. And the hook, the chorus, is into the woods. Like So all of our major characters are all heading off into the woods with their own motivations, and everything is perfectly explained and set up without a, a line of anybody just talking. It's just... There's a little bit of talking. There's a narrator right at the very yeah. beginning. But um, I thought it was fantastic, that that part. Now, I actually thought the first half of the movie was also very strong. But I, I felt the back end of it, towards the end, it just kind of lost its momentum a little bit. You know, with the, it was almost like there are some special effects in the movie, giants. Yeah. It's almost like... They didn't go full tilt on it. Like, they're, they're, it's Disney making this movie, and they, you, we've seen them do amazing... Special effects. I mean, we saw um, Maleficent recently where, you know, they went full bore with everything. Like, they, there's this fantastic world. There's creatures flying around. In this, they kind of... You could see the budget was like, well, we can't really do the giant properly, so we'll I don't hide... Think, I don't think that's what they're thinking. No, I'm saying that it, it shows on the screen that. I, I don't, they've got a certain budget for this. So the, the the CGI and everything is a lot of it's left to your imagination, which I know it's about the singing, the movie, because it's a musical. But I would have liked more of that action stuff towards the end part of it. But it actually does really have a nice sentiment. This movie, it's a lot deeper than what it looks like on the surface, which I appreciated a lot. You know. Yeah. It's um. It's about, it's not nothing new. It's about human emotion. It's about the bond between families or people, you know, bonding together to solve a problem, which is nothing new. But it comes across as a fairy tale at first. And I know all fairy tales have a fable type thing in them. But this one's a lot more adult and a lot more grown up than you would think it would be from a fairy tale. Oh, definitely. So what did you think? Well, I desperately didn't care about watching it. 
I, I haven't cared about watching it since I saw clips at the Oscars, the cover, the box, any of it. it just didn't interest me. Even not knowing it was a, a musical, I don't even know why. I think I get, I get bored of an idea, except for zombies for some reason, before that idea is done, before Hollywood and everybody's done with it. So we've got fairy tales that have been happening over the last couple of years, and I was like, okay, ugh, you know. <laughs> so all of the, and then find out it's a musical. So I have all that going against it. Don't like musicals. Not looking forward to it. Johnny Depp's really like freaking me out lately. <laughs> like and his, <laughs> ugh, you know. Okay, so what? She won an Oscar. Whatever. I'm not looking forward to it. I just had it in me. Nominated. Nominated. Yeah. Mm. Um. Correct. Then it started, and I was like, "Well, this is this is fun. I get it." It's, this is a good, fun twist. And you know me, I love Sweeney Todd. Yeah. I have no explanation why. I've wa- Every time I watch it, I am just, I am sucked into it inexplicably. Which is also a Sondheim musical. Yeah, and I have no way of, I have no explanation for that whatsoever. Um, so I got that vibe, just a taste of it, and then I was hooked. And... Even though it does, to me, some of the, like, it's a little bit extra sappy. But then again, I guess that's the idea of the whole story is I felt while I was watching it, even with all the fun stuff and the good stuff and the crappy special effects and all that shit. Um, oh, shit. This sort of like, and I said to you, it's like they're up their own asses about it. It's very precious to them. It's, isn't this cool to make a new twist on fairy tales and isn't it cool that we're taking this Sondheim original and Disney's making it and wasn't it cool that we have whatever his name is Marshall to direct it and wasn't it cool that we have Meryl Streep and I felt that in the movie that everybody was up everybody's ass and I don't know why but you get that vibe and then you watch the extras and I'm like yep they all think they're just so it's just this sort of I don't know it's a very indulgent it's the thing kind- but that didn't subtract for me, having, like, a really fun time, and I agree with you completely about it's up, 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 you're into the witch, I'm into the story, I'm intrigued by why she wants all this stuff, and then the giant thing happens, and that is such a, it just pulls you out, because they're not connecting with that at all. It's not like, because when we meet the witch, we see her throughout. She comes, we know she's bad, but she's got the goodness, and we know the baker wants what he wants and the wife is willing to do it. Everybody has their own little separate motivations and you're focused on them all. And you're in a fairy tale world where there's magic and golden eggs and, and it's, all this stuff. And it's actually funny. It's quite funny yeah, as well. But there's then some the comedy giant in. thing comes along and it's almost like I can imagine they handled that better on the stage than they do in the movie and that they handle it with the same amount of dismissiveness. On the stage, you can't do a giant Right? So you would have a big giant boot built in the background or a painting on the back of the stage to represent the giant, right? That's kind of what they did in the movie. And the, it doesn't feel like a threat. It doesn't feel... It's not some... It's a... It's a another spoiler here. It's just a wife, you know, pissed off because her husband fell off the thing. And it's, that was like the... That and Chris Evans. Ugh, just horrible. Horrible. Hor- Is that his name? The prince? What's his name? Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Ugh. And I like Chris Pine. Absolutely dog shit for me. <laughs> for me. I'm sure other people love the way he camped it up and everything. But I, And it wasn't even campy. It was like this weird... These are the two things that made me come out of it. Was the giant and his overly being Chris Pine. 
Everybody also licking his ass and not realizing that his level of performance, that's very musical theater-ish, or theater-ish, it's not even that musical, over the top, he's actually, almost pantomime Well, he's actually not a singer at all, I was reading, and he was very embarrassed to use his singing voice. In fact, um, Anna Kendrick said that he wouldn't rehearse in front of people because he was he thought he was awful. Right, and then he makes it up by doing this overacting weirdness that nobody else does. And this we're talking about a movie that's very hokey. Nobody else, the biker's wife, none of them are hokey. Not the not not even Johnny Depp in a weird way. He's not as hokey as that one individual. So if he was nervous about singing, maybe he felt this weird, I've got to do something else bigger. And it was just such now, a horrible letdown. On a good side, though, for, for him, um, I do feel he threw himself into it. I, I don't think he was that good. It was inappropriate. But you know the scene where they're trying to bravo, yeah. bravado up to each other on the, I can't remember what, it, what the song was called, on the uh, waterfall. He really reach. was going for it, I thought. Yeah, but it, it was too but he long. Only, no, I know, but he, he, he was... I could see him going for it, like... You might like him or you might not in it, but I, I feel like he gave himself to this. You know, might like where some people would hold back. You know what? He, he kind of it kind of reminded me of Maleficent, where Shalto Copley played the Prince Charming, and he he, he kind of was a bit eh, as yeah. well. Yeah, like where you're just like, wow, he he doesn't he feel doesn't right. fit. No. Everybody else is either taking their role seriously or not. Even Tracy Ullman has because she's you know she's the mother of Jack and she's. She gets annoyed with them, and she sort of overacts, overreacts and stuff. Even she is more grounded, you know, in her sort of, you know, how she is. He just, I feel like now, if you think, if I think he's overcompensating, but he just lets it all down. Every time he can even that whole song, I was like, oh my god. If and I he does to, have to do a if song. If I was in the theater watching this, this would be when I'd go to the bathroom, and I wouldn't give a shit what I missed, because I felt like, what a letdown. So let's actually move on to the cast here while we're talking about them. Anna Kendrick plays Cinderella. I really like Anna Kendrick. I didn't realize she could sing so well either, you know. Yeah. Um, and she's she's really good too. Like, uh, uh, There's a lot of emotion she has to give as Cinderella. And a, a lot of it through song. And she really has to handle songs on her own too. Mm-hmm. And even she didn't sound, she even said in the extras, she wasn't that confident on singing. A lot of people in this movie were kind of, oh, I've got to sing. <laughs> well, Emily yeah. Blunt said she never had. Yeah, right, true. Um, and then James Corden, which was a very big surprise for me. He plays the baker. He's, I actually enjoyed his character the most of this movie. I really identified with his character. <laughs> and I identified with his whole... He has a bit of a backstory running through him about his father and stuff. I really enjoyed that that story. And I felt he brought a lot of emotion at the end. I, yeah. I was kind of like, ooh, this is heavy, like, you know, oh, when he's holding it. the baby. Yeah. Um, just, I, I think it was my own things playing in my mind, like, where yep. I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is heavier than this movie is, you know? Um, and James Corden, if you don't know who he is, he's a, a British comedian. He's been in Doctor Who. He's also. Barely. <laughs> yeah, he's in a couple You always of bring that up, but I mean, barely, out of 40 that's, years, that's where two episodes. A lot of people might have seen him, though. But he's but now he's actually this week actually he uh, is taken over from Craig Ferguson uh, of the late night chat show in America so more and more Americans will know who he is now um, and we saw him in the Three Musketeers the one that um, Lilu multipassed Dallas's husband did <laughs> and um, we that were like wow, wow that that character in he, he was just this terrible 
it, I don't even know if it was his fault. The character was just this weird, like... It was awful. It's the Baldrick character, kind of, from Blackadder, if you've ever watched Blackadder. It's like the... It's just a shitty character, like the, the one that you're supposed to think is funny, but it's actually not. He's everybody's kicking post. Yeah. Ugh. Um, but in this, I really, really liked him. And I was surprised when he started singing because I was like, he's probably not a singer, right? And he's going to be really bad when he sings. No, he was really giving it his all. Um, he was funny when he needed to be, but then not, you know, there's a lot of serious stuff that he has to go through. So I, I enjoyed him a lot in this movie. Did you like him? Yes. Um, I think almost everybody impressed me, except for Chris Pines. And then Emily Blunt, who, funnily enough, her character in this is a a woman who can't have a child, but she's pregnant throughout the entire uh, production. But she's really good. So they had to do that film above the waist. Put a, they didn't make, too much, though. Make her uh, dress stick out a bit more than it should. Um, but oh, excellent. She's and really I said good. to you, she's kind of like... She's she, so natural. Like when she giggles and laughs and has a reaction to him and they interact with each other, it just is so. Both of them. About the relationship they, between them. They two. elevate the performances for me. Whereas <laughs> the other options, even Johnny Depp, sort of down a little and then Chris Pine's like down further. But Emily Bunn herself. Um, really good. I liked the idea of this baker's wife. Whereas the baker's kind of. Like, uh, just, you know, he's not that courageous or he, he doesn't really want to step out of his box. Whereas she will do kind of, she's kind of the opposite to him and she will, you know, she's kind of cruel at some points. I was like, wow, really? <laughs> you know, but it's really, it's really fun to watch her. She's quite funny in it. Mm -hmm. um, Tracy Ullman plays Jack's, bro Jack's mother, which is Jack and the Beanstalks, Jack's mother. <laughs> Um, she's not in it a ton, but what she is in, she's good. Yeah, good. I like Tracy Ullman. Um, Meryl Streep plays the witch. We all know Meryl Streep. I'm not a Meryl Streep fan. I've said it a lot of times. I think I always find her overrated and people do kiss her ass. Yep. I can see them kissing her ass in that in the production uh, yep. thing. It's but like, oh, there Meryl. are moments when you get that, I think, you understand. Because, I mean... Being Malefic Maleficent is one thing, right? Because through most of her movie, like Angelina Jolie, she's being the wicked witch or whatever, and really hardcore about it. That It's going to be challenging, but it's kind of one note. She has her reasons and all that we get on either end. Whereas Meryl Streep, throughout this one, almost every scene, there's two things going on. There's always the, I'm injured, and I can put a spell on you that's so horrible that you can never have children or that I can pluck out your eyes or whatever. And she does both of those things almost every single time we meet her. There's a She's funniness. She's pretty awful, but, but I can charming see, at the same time. Yeah, I can see why. I mean, we've seen I've seen lots of Meryl Streep. Where, um, I just think she's quality. And I thought it was really funny because in this one, she goes from one state to another. And of course... Death becomes a... Of course. Death becomes... Oh, that's my other recommendation. I couldn't think of one. I or, thought of that during that <laughs> happening. I was like, oh yeah, death becomes a... Oh, um, that could be remade right now. I have no problem with remaking that. Um, maybe not with the key ladies, but maybe a sequel with some new young ladies doing the exact same thing. That would be awesome because the special effects were cutting edge at the time. And I can still accept them 100%. But imagine now with new CGI and makeup effects and stuff, what they could do with, if you haven't seen Death Becomes Her, it's uh, the idea is you take a potion that will keep you alive forever. However, your body 
will decay and do if you injure break a yourself, bone, it yeah, will carry on being you break a bone or rip your skin, it doesn't hurt you, but it will stay ripped forever. There is you don't heal ever again, so you have to take very good care of yourself. So they have this group of people who have faked their deaths, like Elvis Presley and Andy Warhol, who live in this sort of like enchanted, really wealthy area, a little bubble, you know. And in it, she goes from older to younger, which it's really good. Um, Johnny Depp. <laughs> That's my recommendation a little early. Johnny Depp, who gets really big billing in this movie, is even on the cover. I know, it's um, amazing. He's literally in this movie for five minutes. Not literally, oh, but. Yeah, literally. It's five minutes. I didn't count it. I, I went and had a look how, how much screen time does. It's five minutes. And to, to be such a big. Part, his name's on the box. His picture is on the front. I know you have to draw people into your movie, but I mean, if you came for Johnny Depp, you're going to be disappointed. In more ways than one. I thought he was all right as the wolf, you know? But Johnny Depp is, these days for me, Johnny <laughs> Depp just, he does the, he, you know, it's like he, it's like what he was in Willy Wonka. It's like what he was in, you know, he's always playing some. Very theatrical. And I know this is supposed to be a theatrical thing, but... It also is... It goes beyond what the other people's performances are doing in terms of, like, their their measured wackiness, right, in everybody's life. Now, Cinderella is, like, the least wacky. She has no out-there kind of stuff to do, really, or the baker guy, the bakers. None of those people, but with the big characters. And he just... He's Johnny Depp with a funny mustache. And if you think about it, that's been happening a lot lately. He does a song with uh, Red Riding Hood. And, and it's a fun song. If that, if you pluck that scene out... Yeah, it's a cool song on to its own, just yeah. watch. And- but as you progress through and past his thing, that little section doesn't fit. Because of his performance. Now, if they'd dialed down the makeup a little bit, just a little bit, just make him more menacing and less hokey than like you know i don't know what johnny depp's up to these days <laughs> we saw him in um He's an tusk and it for me it almost it, well it did it kind of, the movie just got worse as soon as he appeared and then we saw like a trailer for him doing it almost seems like he was doing that like some french dude i don't even know what that was do you remember we saw pink panther mordecai or something mordecai oh yeah and i was like was that like was the the part in Tusk him training to be this guy because it's a very similar guy and I don't know what he's doing I, I really don't I like I'd like him to go back to like not being a character something more serious drama you know for example I tried to think of some I thought of one but there aren't many not really not when you think about just strip away everything because I'm um, like blow yeah but, well even then he gets the chance to be kind of weird. he does but that, I really liked him in that that was one of the things I really liked about that movie his performance he's pretty. It's pretty interesting in it, but there aren't. There's a handful. Yeah, there really is. The so tourist. He just bland. loves the big kind of um, flamboyant type roles, doesn't he? Where he's, you know, look at me. And I'm not saying it's easy because I think that most people will be challenged to perform in front of anybody and let themselves be out there to be criticized. You know, performers. I'm not saying it's a hard life. It's not like a hard job, like a paramedic. But I'm. I know that putting yourself out there for people to just criticize you from head to toe, right, for everything you've done. It's tough. But if you make up a huge character that every little bit of it isn't you, like every movement and the costume and the voice and everything isn't you, 
then you're like hiding behind it. Whereas if it's like you in a drama and all, and you don't have a funny voice. Stripped away. Have, like, yeah. And it's yeah. just you and some clothes and you have to do dialogue with emotion and with like sincerity in a way that makes the people believe you're that person and not that character. Maybe you like hiding behind the mask then. Maybe that's the thing. I think that's some performer's thing, really. I mean, um, look at Austin when he does a big character, our nephew. When he does his school plays, the bigger the character and the bigger the um, slapstickiness, it's like he gets the laughs and he gets the applause and it kind of, you know, gives him that jolt. And then there are times when it's a little quieter and I think that's the lower... It's almost like he's waiting for those big moments to be able to do the big slapsticky stuff like fall through this of the stage. <laughs> so next I put Chris Pine down as Cinderella's prince. I know you didn't like him. Nope. Um, and I like Chris Pine. Don't get me wrong. He's fine. But, when he first ugh. talked, the very first line of dialogue that came out of his mouth, it sounded like Ron Burgundy. I was like, is he doing a Ron Burgundy impression? Like, it sounds like Ron Burgundy reading off the cue And Will Shatner trying to be something. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Kirk, because I understand the connection there. But I mean, Ron, I mean, Will Shatner being, because he's not good, being that guy. And I was like, what is he what, doing? What was also really odd for me for uh, Chris Pine, and I do give him some props for actually throwing himself into it, but the voice that came out of him when he sang wasn't what I was expecting exactly. No. It was like a Frank Sinatra kind of <laughs> something like that, and I was I was expecting something different. So when he opened his mouth, I was like, his seems lip synced. I know it's him. Some of them, like Meryl Streep sang live on the set I was reading. Not all of it, you could tell. No, but what yeah. she could, she did. And and some of the others did, but most of them did recording studio work. His seemed like it was somebody else in him. Like, yeah. it didn't seem right when he was... I know it was him. They don't try and bluff you with that, but it just seemed a bit weird to me. Um, and then, finally, I just wanted to mention the two children act- actors in this movie who I thought were awesome. And it's Daniel Huttlestone and Lilla Crawford. She plays Little Red Riding Hood and he plays Jack. And those two kids were awesome. And the Little Red Riding Hood especially, I liked her voice. She really projects. And I think when you're watching musical theatre, you need project. You don't need mumbly people. You need <laughs> you need voices that project so you can get all the lyrics. And she really did that. She sold it. I, I could... Well, she was a nanny. She was, yeah. <laughs> As a young girl, she was Annie. Yeah. Uh, I really liked her a lot. She, you know, she's one to watch. Uh, she, you probably will see her in a lot of musical theater. I like that she mixed. She was able to mix being the little Disney Red Riding Hood and the skipping and the hopping and the going into the woods to be girl, and then like shoving the cookies in her mouth. And then when she turned into the cynical little girl who's yeah. now been, and she totally pulled that off. I was like impressed. And another, another. I just thing. hope she doesn't become affected by her youthful acting experiences. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you kind of bring that with you when you grow up an actor. She was also quite funny. She was There's a lot of funny performances in this that I didn't expect. Where I was like, well, that's actually pretty clever and funny. And it, and a lot of the funny parts were not in the songs, actually. They were just when people were doing dialogue. I don't know if that's part of Stephen Sondheim's thing or all that dialogue was added. I don't know if the stage play is completely sung. Um, but there was a lot of funny dialogue in there. And there's more dialogue than you think. I was thinking it was going to be all singing, but it... I was glad it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, directed by Rob Marshall. You'll probably know Rob Marshall from his uh, Academy Award winning, uh, Chicago, which, as a musical, I enjoyed. Like I said, I'm not really a musical. You know why I really enjoyed it? There's some actors that I really liked in it. One of them was um, 
Renee Zellweger. John C. Riley. I really liked his Bond, that weird like puppet thing that he did. Um, <laughs> I can always remember that. Uh, but Chicago wasn't one I loved. It was kind of one where I was a little bit bored at, t- at points. And I yeah. know I know that that happens to me during musical movies if I don't like them that much. This one, it didn't happen to me at all. So that says something for this movie. Um, but this guy, Rob Marshall, he did Chicago. He also did Memoirs of a Geisha, which I think was an excellent film. I loved that at the time when we watched it. Pirates of the Caribbean. On Stranger Tides, which uh-huh. is the worst Pirates of the Caribbean movie for me. Um, the fourth one. I didn't dislike it as much as you did. Yeah, I just see. But just I get what like, you're saying. Yeah, and then making another one at the moment, talking of Johnny Depp. He actually hurt, hurt or broke his ankle this week uh, during the filming of the new uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, they said, and they had to put it on hold for two weeks, which can't be a cheap thing to do when you're making a movie. There we go, okay. Uh, but this, uh, Rob Marshall's directing here, uh, what I was reading about this movie is they made a fake forest, the woods, um, and the woods that they made in this aircraft hangar was the whole size of the aircraft hangar. And it was all elaborately joined, and you know, so all the different places in the woods were in different places. And um, they were talking about it as you could actually get lost in it. It was that big. Right. Like, it, they just they just actually made a whole aircraft hangar. Like Star Wars. Yeah. They made a big swamp. Didn't yeah, they? and nothing in this movie is a real location, aside from one thing where the castle, that castle's a real castle. I thought it looked like... I mean, some of it looked... Everything else is soundstage. And it actually looks quite cool, the whole thing. Obviously, because it is a soundstage. It's lit well. Aside from the CGI being a bit wonky at points. Or good at some points. Where um, I think it was actually really good when the witch disappears or, you know, she does... Those were good. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the The wire work is a bit weird. Yeah, the... The giant was crappy. The beanstalk was quite cool. I Very thought. good. Yeah, it's just in. It's like it's not that kind of thing. That wasn't the main focus. The CGI, so it's kind of just like when you watch Doctor Who. I'm not saying it's as bad as Doctor Who. <laughs> it's there to serve the plot, but they don't go overboard making it look great. Right. So that's kind of what it is in this movie. Um, there are extras on this Blu-ray. Um, what did you think? We watched some. It's alright. I mean, it just I wasn't that interested to be honest. I think that some movies I I'm, I was interested to find out a little bit of the history of the play, which we got like the tiniest bit. But you know, you watch enough extras and you get it. Uh, the cast is gonna lick each other's behinds. The costumes are what they are. The music is what it is. The special effects are what they are. But and I it think it's a little boring. I think if you're a Sondheim fan, though. Um, there's a bonus feature on here that you're probably going to love, right? Because they cut one of the songs from the movie. Ah. And it's one of the songs that's on the um, Broadway musical. Right. And it's called She'll Be Back. And Meryl Streep performs it in full. Um, it's a, it's one of the features on the right. Blu-ray. So if you are a fan of the musical, I'm sure that will be a big selling point for you. But the rest of the stuff, like you said, it's, uh, it's pretty typically stuff. You know, going behind the scenes, costumes, etc. But there's also an interest in uh, music and lyrics where you can skip to the songs. There's a big list of the songs and it takes you to the song in the movie and it puts the lyrics up on the screen as they're singing. So if you want to do a sing-along or you just love those songs so much, you want to listen to them over and over again, they kind of have you covered with that. Do you? Um, there are certain songs I really liked. It was yeah, some of them were. The really Into fun. the Woods, the first section, I really love that. I think it's really cool. And I like the one that she kicks off with 
Tell a little lie. Yeah. Da, 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 da. That one, do they all sound the same? Maybe it's just because of the way I sing them. But yeah. the tune is the same. <laughs> they don't all sound the same. I was no. being a bit cruel to that, but I, that's how, <laughs> often how musical theater, it doesn't even have to be one one from another. All You know, people start singing um, what they're saying. It kind of sounds a certain way. Yeah. Um, so, in conclusion, Into the Woods, from two non-musical fans, I say... It's a hard one to recommend to everybody because I think you have to either have an open mind or you have to like musicals. If you've if you've got one of those two things, I think you could find some in- entertainment in it. I'd watch it again. Yeah, I would too. I would definitely. And I, I would be like, you know, I'll give it another watch so that if I can... If you said to me, go downstairs in the musical section of my Blu-ray, <laughs> yeah. and I've got a bunch, yeah, pick a Blu-ray to watch that's only it's a musical. Uh, there's only one above it that I would choose. I, I like Dreamgirls a lot. I would choose Sweeney Todd or Wizard of Oz. Right, and I like Dreamgirls a lot as well. Um, I think it's a good story to watch. Because it's actually an interesting story too. But um, this one, I was entertained. I can say I wasn't bored. I liked some of the songs. Not all of them. I liked the performances. Uh, and, you know, fairy tales are kind of... It's fun, and I get it. I get the fairy tale thing we we all dig fairy tales I we do. all understand them we... i just don't like it when a thing becomes a thing you know fairy tales were just in the books and we did it whatever and then but then i accept lots of zombie stuff so i don't know i'm a hypocrite i say right i would say watch it just for the fun of it but be prepared for a musical it's a real musical it's not about like that disney shouldn't have put some things in there like that are adult-ish themes and i don't mean adult like people fucking i mean adult like themes of infidelity adult, yeah well just the thought things not, it's not there was no infidelity people are so full of shit but um just the thought of those things you you know you can't police that out of everything. I read if an I, interview. If with... every if every Disney movie can have a dead parent and horrible violence, if you think about, I mean, every Disney cartoon has horrible violence and dead parents, then how can exploring the themes of married people being tempted or whatever just the t- just that alone is it, like you can't pick and choose what you decide is is a right well, theme. Well, I think the problem is, and it even says Disney Into the Woods. That's the title on the yeah. on the on the thing. People think Disney, they think kids. Not everything from Disney is for kids. And I read an interview with Stephen Sondheim and he said that it was never made... For, Into the Woods is an adult story to him. Like, it, it's, yeah. about, it's about adult emotions. It's not about kids. It's not really for kids. But I think people see the Disney name in front of a movie and assume, oh, that's... I just stick that... I buy that Blu-ray and I put it on and the kids are quiet for a while. That's how that works. Like, <laughs> yeah. This isn't that. It's Disney coming out of the box a little bit, which I like. I like it when Disney do that, and they do do that. In fact, they they, try, they sometimes do that within their mainstream films that are made for kids. It's just not everybody notices it, you know. Uh, true. So, um, no, I, th- I, yeah, some people were offended by this movie. Reading the IMDb message boards, some parents were like, "I had to walk out of the theater." There was there was words used and subject matter that I didn't want my daughter to even listen to. Nah, it's not. You know, you have to be very sensitive if that's the yeah. If that's what you're finding in this. Um, so thank you to Disney for the Blu-ray. We had a, you know, fun time. Fun time. Next week's Blu-ray review is Michael Bay. Michael Bay's produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I'm sure we'll have a fun time at the movies with that one too. Maybe. 
<laughs> you sure? Maybe. Movie recommendations. You know, love him or hate him, Michael Bay. He knows how to put on a big extravaganza, you know. They might not be the greatest story, like Transformers, but you feel like you saw something. Are you saying Transformers is a great story? or No, it's, I mean, it's it's all right. It's it's a, it's a comic booky type story. But you feel like you saw something, don't you, when you watched his, yeah. his movie? You're like, whoa. Like, you feel, you know, you saw some good CGI, generally. Correct. So, movie recommendations. I am going with Sweeney Todd, um, which is another musical starring Johnny Depp. But Johnny Depp's actually... I don't think Johnny Depp's that great of a singer. I don't think he's that great of a singer in Sweeney Todd either. But I've always liked the Sweeney Todd story, and I think that was a well-told version of Sweeney Todd. Very good. My second one is uh, Life After Beth. Oh, yeah. And the reason I said that is um, Anna Kendrick's in this movie. She's also... She's a small part in Life After Beth. But I was thinking, when did we see Anna Kendrick last? I really like her. What did we see her? She was in Up in the Air. Life After Beth. It was this strange zombie movie that we watched. and Small part. Yeah, she wasn't in it much. Mm. Um, she, oh, yeah, she was the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But she popped up in it, and I yeah. was like, oh, I really like her. I need to see more stuff with her in. Um, but yeah, it's a good movie, Life After Beth. It's a funny <laughs> yeah. zombie movie. Uh, and you are going with... I'm going with also Sweeney Todd, because I couldn't help it once you said it. And I'm going to add what we discussed. What did we discuss earlier? Duh. Whatever. You, you've been listening. You know what my other one was. And uh, The Tourist, if you want to go back to a movie where Johnny Depp is not being a huge character, but that he's just being like a dude. I mean, it's got a little element of fantasy-ish. Kind of makes he's still a li- he's a bit slapsticky sometimes. Tiny, still. tiny, tiny mm. bit. But... And it's not, I'm not saying it's a good movie. I'm saying if you want to see Johnny Depp out of a costume, then that would be the way to go. True. Uh, games and Ace Scully stuff this week. We played a game this week together. Or I played it and you watched. And it was Correct. Game of Thrones episode three. Um, We've talked about this Game of Thrones game. It's a telltale game. You make choices. You're playing through this. It's parallel to the TV show, but in a really... Like, it's very close to the TV show, as in parts from the TV show play out right in front of you. Like, almost like you're just to the side, to the stage side watching. True. And in this one in particular, the um, Joffrey's wedding mm-hmm. takes place. You don't see Joffrey's wedding, but you're close enough to Joffrey's wedding and you've seen the show to feel like, oh, I know what's going on yep. here. Um, so it does that very well. You've got this brand new set of characters that you're playing as. And it does the thing that Game of Thrones does in the show where it switches between locations. Like maybe a, maybe the show's split up into three parts and it split, flits between these three different things. It does that all the time in this game. But I thought this was the strongest um, episode yet for me. You know, you get, you, I think they misadvertise it a little bit by selling it on the back of you know, Khaleesi. This is the Khaleesi episode when, well, yeah. when spoiler, um, it... Next, the next one would probably be the Khaleesi episode. <laughs> yeah. They kind of tease you all the but way But you can't up. skip this one. No, you can't. But, yeah, you know, Khaleesi's dragon takes place. You know, this part of, you know, there's a dragon. Um, I think it's very well done. I agree. If you're a fan of the show and you've watched the show, I think you get more from it. though. Because I think... Um, I don't know. I think things mean more when... When your character that you're playing is talking to somebody like Jon Snow or Cersei, you're, you're like, 
I understand the importance of this person they're talking to. This person they're talking to, not Jon Snow, Cersei, for instance. I know who she is, and I, I kind of base how I'm going to talk to her around that. I bring in what I know from the show. So I think that works really well, because you're like, if you weren't, you'd never watch the show, and she starts talking to you, you don't know exactly what her... You don't she, know how bad she is. Or how she <laughs> functions, what would be the best way Cersei to Cersei is not a nice lady. Yeah, so I think it really works well as a companion to the show. And the show starts again next week. Uh, and the, the game isn't over yet. I don't know whether the game's going to tie into this new season or what, but it, there's three more episodes left. Uh, and that's Game of Thrones by Telltale. I've also been playing Assassin's Creed Unity, which is the new Assassin's Creed on the PlayStation 4. Um takes place in revolutionary France. So it's like during the Revolutionary War. Um, you know, it's it's another Assassin's Creed game. All I can say is they've really upped the graphics this time because they're on a new system. They're on the PlayStation 4 instead of the, X, instead of the PS3. Um, so it looks... The amount of detail they put into the architecture in that game and the amount of detail they put into all the history surrounding it you can go into the menu and, and read, like, you can read for hours. There's every single building in the game that you come across. It puts a slide in your codex that you can go and look at and read and you find out the history of that building, what war it was, you know, why that building's significant in Paris, what, you know, all those things are in there. If you're interested in history, Assassin's Creed is just an amazing game for history and I'm glad that they choose all these different time periods. Um... I don't know where the next one is going. I heard it was going to the desert somehow. Maybe World War II or something. I don't know. But if you've played all the Assassin's Creed games from the beginning, you've had a good chunk of history. All these different eras. Uh, so that's Assassin's Creed Unity. It's really cheap at the moment. Like uh, It's only been out like six months, but it dropped in price like crazy. So that is my stuff for this week. Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Tonight will be some leftovers. Some uh, chickpea curry that you didn't like because you said it was too hot. But we're gonna have, I'm going to have that. I am not a over. hot food. Uh, <laughs> I like hot food. I like my food <laughs> to be hot. hot. But uh, spicy food, I've never been a fan of it. Um, it wasn't spicy. But you just pick it up. You, your tongue is like a magic yeah. tongue. Anything that's... Even if it's very the mildest thing anybody's ever tasted. For me, it's too much. I just don't like spice in food. Mm. I like... But you love your Indian food. I love curry. But it's the flavor, not the, you know, even when we go to get the curry from the restaurant, I'll say zero, whatever the... <laughs> when they want you zero to ten. They say one to ten, I say zero. <laughs> like, I just want the flavor of all the spices, not the heat of a spice. Hmm. So Throwing that and some leftover mashed potatoes from the other day and whatnot. I think there's a Soul Cuisine burger I can make. Oh, no, tofu. I've got tofu. But, you know, I think I'll save the tofu for tomorrow and let it marinate another day. You burger. Know you know what it's marinating in? Yeah, uh, HP sauce. And ketchup. Yeah. And if it soaks in there enough and you cook it just right and you add some vegetable broth and then let it cook and get nice and... I just HP want... sauce is delicious. You <laughs> never really... I don't, I think, but I think you start if to add a little... It. Yeah. It has a tang to it. I can get behind it. it. Yeah. So you like HP, and it's got a bit of a not a peppery. It's flavor. more of a vinegary kind of. Yeah. Um, and my advice is, um, I invented a new phrase this week. I think I invented it. I don't know. It may also may be redundant for some people, but don't be a victim or whatever. 
succumb to delusional nostalgia. This is what I call it. When I see Facebook posts or I hear people speak or I have friends mention just in passing or I hear somebody just nod to this concept that, well, when I was raised, I didn't leave the table till I finished my plate. Right. And the, and the assumption then is that I became a wonderful, perfect human being because of this. And my parents really knew what they were doing. Or, well, when my grandparents were being raised, they couldn't talk back and they got a smack. And they, they really knew how to teach their kids how to behave. Which also implies that you, the person saying this, are now a product of this perfect evolutionary parenting style. By which time you should be fucking amazing. You should be the most amazing human being if generations before you did everything right in your delusional mind. Then everything you've done as a parent, what you're saying is you have had the benefit of all this wisdom. And now you've passed all this on to your perfect, wonderful fucking children. And guess what? You're full of shit. Because they're not perfect. Teaching a kid not to speak back, not to talk back to you by smacking him in the mouth or sending him to bed without supper... What does that teach you? Not to think for yourself. What does it teach a kid to sit at a table and eat every scrap on their plate just because you want to be the bully? You I want to, be to do the big... that, actually. I know, and I think it's bullshit. I wasn't taught that, and guess what? I didn't get smacked for talking back. I didn't get spanked for acting I up. I didn't get told to eat everything on my plate. In fact, my mother was the opposite. My mother would be like, do you want more butter on your broccoli to make it taste good? If you don't want it, I'll eat it. Don't worry about it. Like, that's how my mother was. And guess what? I didn't turn out so bad. I do my chores in life that I need to do. I make a living the way I should do. I pay my bills the way I should. I'm respectful to people who deserve it. I'm not respectful to people who do not. I would save you in a, in a flash if the world all fell to shit and you needed help. I would be there to help you. If we were in a zombie apocalypse and we were held up in a tower or in a, <laughs> somewhere, I'd be the person you want because I'll work really hard. I'll do everything that needs to be done and I'll put people in their place if they need to be put in their place. I have no problem with all of these things that are these higher ideas of how people should behave. And I didn't get whipped and I didn't get smacked and I didn't get told to shut up. I wasn't told what to believe. I didn't have a religion shoved down my throat. I wasn't threatened. I wasn't bullied by anyone. My dad was a bit of an asshole. And through the years, I get it. That's who he was. And he took on the way he was raised. And by the way, there you go. Good example. Two generations back, wife beating, right? In the 70s, my mother and her com com um, contemporaries, there was a thread of abused wives. It was a thing they discussed at the table. When it wouldn't have black eye, they'd all drink a beer and have a smoke and get away from the men and pat her on the back and say, everything will be fine, just forget about it. A man would be getting drunk and start acting up and all the other people would say, well, no, they'll be okay, and send her off with this guy who just gave her a fucking black eye and everybody would just go, well, it's none of our business. That was the theme back then, at least in the way I was raised, including my own parents. Nowadays, yes, that exists, and yet we're socially more aware of it, right? Things change in time, but your parents and your grandparents and their parents and their parents and their parents did not do everything right. It is a delusion. It is a nostalgic, I remember the good times when I was a child, and I think I benefited from these things, therefore I'm going to make up a fantasy about it. That if you think that teenagers wearing their pants down off their ass 
is because your grandpa is not around to whip him into shape. You are so full of shit. Like, it doesn't work that way. You know, wake up. Your grandparents are probably just as screwed up as the parents who have the kids screaming in the mall that you think needs to be disciplined. But your grandparents did their thing a different way. And so did their grandparents. And in a hundred years from now, generations down the road, they're going to be saying the exact same thing you're saying. Wow, my great-great-grandparents really knew what they were doing because now the world's going to hell and everybody acts like shit and kids these days. They're going to say the same thing you're saying. But you're like trapped in this weird thing. I don't, I don't get it. So don't be a victim of delusional nostalgia. And... Nice. Um, I got my heart rate went up on that one because that's really good. That's like exercising. <laughs> before we uh, finish there, before I remind you about our websites, we also watched True Romance on Blu-ray this week. <laughs> uh, one of one of our favorite movies. Um, Do we share a brain? Yes. It's always been one of my favorite movies. Always from yeah. the moment I watched it, sitting alone in an apartment in Florida. Um, the Blu-ray is not the best <laughs> picture quality, I will say, but doesn't matter. Well, I'm just saying, if you're a Blu-ray fan. Um, but there are a bunch of extras on it. Uh, and if list- you're more of a Blu-ray fan than you are a fan of the movie, then don't watch it. No, I'm just saying if you're going to be spending <laughs> money on it. Um, true, uh, true. You might have already bought it on DVD and that That's might fair. be fine, you know. Um, and we've had, we actually own it on DVD it and It is Blu-ray. so good and I don't know if it's actually good. I'm blinded by my bias for my love of it. Oh, I still... It's, it's so good. of its time yeah. and yet it isn't. It's just... It's a lot em- of people don't realize that Quentin Tarantino wrote it either. A lot of people don't realize because it kind of came out around he the time. He comes out a little bit in some of the dialogue he do, he and does, the, yeah. the attitude. Yeah. But I really think... And Tony Scott isn't fully Tony Scott either. It's a good combination of the time. It is. You know, uh, Quentin Tarantino does come out in it to me. Like like what, like what going to the triple Bill Kung Fu movie and... yeah. You know, and some of those Some long, of the dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Especially the Dennis Hopper monologue type... Um, that is a tw- it's so that's a Tarantino thing. And the thing about Tarantino is he's so inappropriate. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, he's not and afraid to. When you're watching to... Dennis Hopper give his little speech to Christopher Walken, and you're like, that is so inappropriate. Like, I just want to, like, I I want to stop it and and go back in time. But that's what it's all about: is these two clashing titans, kind of of dudes, and and you know we don't know what kind of life Hopper's led, but he's obviously tough. Uh, and he's all, I mean, he, super he obviously tough. Um, has got to the point where he doesn't give a yeah. shit. And he yeah. knows he knows this guy's thing, right? But it's so if you're watching it now and you're in your teens or twenties and you've been raised in a different mentality of political correctness, do not take on <laughs> the attitudes. Of these gentlemen, as if that is appropriate. It is not. It is to show you, like, the vileness of the motivations of these characters. And that Dennis Hopper, Big Daddy, knows how to get Christopher Walken, who is a horrible, horrible, horrible person. Watching Dennis Hopper. who else? Soprano. That's one of my favorite scenes of a movie of all time, is the fight scene between Alabama It's really good, yeah. I mean, it's horrible. And I, I, forgot, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be really cheesy. No, it's really intense. It's really hardcore. Yeah. Um, Gandolfini fights with Patricia Arquette. I was thinking <laughs> Dennis Hopper um, reminds... Dennis Hopper's character re- really reminds me of... Um, from Better Call Saul. Uh, <laughs> I'm blanking on his name. Chuck? Jonathan Banks. They get... They, you know, the uh, Mike. Oh. Like, he's at this time in his life where... 
he really doesn't give a shit like mm. about people. Like he's not scared of people. He's just what whatever. will be, will be. I'm just gonna do my thing, and this is it. Like, uh, and he, uh, watching Jonathan, watching that, I was like, and we just watched Better Call Saul. I was like, yeah, I think Mike's at that point. It's just the I'm gonna focus on one thing, yeah. and that's gonna keep me alive. And if I die, nobody cares. I care really. about my little family, and that's one thing about true romance. You forget that Clarence never finds out in the time that. And Clarence is actually mental in the in the he is. Yeah, he's mental. He's mental and I watching it now, it's been years of watching from a different perspective, and that you get glimmers of that obviously throughout. But then you think about Alabama and how she's totally enamored with that, that he would do <laughs> what She sees he does. it from a different side though. Like it's not from the she doesn't want to think of him as being a mental case. Which he is. Like no, you can't I think, control I think his... that would turn her on. Right, and he can't control like his emotions, yeah. like because as soon as he knows that there's this dude out there, yep. who, he can't control it. It's just that's it. It's done, you know. So yeah, we're dealing with like a mental illness in this movie, and you could watch it at a level where you don't even notice that. But the thing about this mental illness of this guy is that he's wrapped it up in a way that's almost like born killers. That there are these two people who if, can tangle with each other and think it's. And think of it as love, and they just really need each other. Natural Born Killers and True Romance are very, very closely related. They're wrote by both wrote by Quentin Tarantino, but they're very closely related. It's about these two people who are not all together right, but they're not together, as broken as they're better. They're not as broken as uh, killers. No, but even <laughs> so. they have a heart. Like oh, yeah. even though they're horrible, like murderers. There's a heart to them. Like, the, the love conquers all kind it's of between things. between them, it's, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's uh, True Romance. Uh, you can see it. It's it's old. How old is it? 20 1993. Yeah. So, um, Ooh, wow. let me remind you about our website, com. You can catch us on social media, Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on Stitcher. Just search for After the Show. Stitcher.com, that is. iTunes Music Store. You all know that one. Uh, RSS feed, just go to ascoli.com, click on the word podcast, or Microsoft Store, whatever that is called now. I think it's called Microsoft Music. Whatever it's called, I'm going to find out, and I'm going to just stick with that. Microsoft Music. Uh, you can email feedback to me at ascoli.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't want any of your guff. And don't forget to go to ascoli. Talk old-fashioned. Don't forget to go to ascully.com and enter. Uh, we've got a couple of new Blu-ray contests this week, and you can uh, win some Blu-rays, so go there and win. Uh, and I want to say... Um, oh, I was going to say Stay Classy Chris Pine, but it's not particularly that classy in this movie. Is no, unfortunately. I'm going to say Stay Classy Anna Kendrick and Emily Blunt, because they were my favourite things, and uh, I, I like quite a few people in this movie, but Stay Classy. <laughs> and I'm going to say think for yourselves, because if you're not doing it, I, I will guarantee you a billion percent that that's even possible mathematically. I don't know math. If you don't think for yourself, someone is doing it for you. Okay, we're going to do 10 seconds of silence right now. Okay. Okay.